The gospel reading for this first Sunday in the Lenten season comes from Mark chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice cried from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're seated, our children are dismissed for their time of worship. Let's bow together and pray. We thank you, God, for children. For little George, for these children who walk out of this room, and for every child of God who remains in this space, may we come to a new awakening of love that chooses us and calls us and transforms us into who we are called to be this day. In the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus the Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, if you looked this morning at our Cover the Order service, you saw our theme for Lent in 2015. We're calling it the look of love. And when I shared this with the senior members of our ministry staff, they, of course, broke out into a Dionne Warwick rendering of a 1967 Burt Bacharach song and warned me, this is what people will think when they hear... Yeah, I can hear you. Um, um, This is what people will think when uh, you say the look of love. But I said, no, that's really only the old nerds in the room. So now you know who you are. The look of love is, in fact, an invitation to look anew at Jesus. To see what love made flesh does and how he does it and where it takes him. This morning, I want to think about with you how love chooses. One of the basics of our life is that uh, the, the most fundamental things about who we are, we don't get to choose. I didn't even get to choose to be born, did you? Somebody answer the phone, please. We don't get to choose that we're born. We don't get to choose what race we're born, what country we're born in, who our parents are, what size we're born, whether we're able-minded or not. These are, none of these are our choices. These are just things that are given when we come into this world. And these seem to be the characters, characteristics which most define us. These seem to be the most important choices, and we don't even get to choose them. This morning I want to suggest that while important choices, they are not really the most important choices. 
The choices of what race you were born, certainly important, certainly define a large part of who you are. But I want to suggest this morning, it's the choice we make based on who we are, black or white or brown or red, that determines really who we are more foundationally. Whether we're born in the United States or in another country is important, but not as important as how we use our citizenship to the good of this world. The fact that I was born to Bill and Cora Bell Phelps back in the mid-50s, that's my story, but really my story comes out of that. And the choices that I make coming from that experience and the choices I make to live my life. Even when we think we have few choices, the truth is you and I have lots of choices to make. And so the question is, what will we base these choices on? Our reading this morning from Mark is short and Concise, like much of Mark's renderings, it is to the point. There's no frill, no extra, no, no leftover. It talks about Jesus' baptism, about God's voice from heaven. One of the few times we hear the voice of God in the Christian scriptures, we have Jesus going out to be tempted. We have him living with wild beasts and the angels waiting upon him. We have his cousin John, the guy who baptized him, arrested And then Jesus picking up this message of John and carrying it forward. Each one of these is a choice. And it's predicated on a foundational choice that Jesus made and that you and I are invited to make. Which says that God is foundationally about love. That God's agenda in this world always has to do with love. Love for us, love for little George. Love for all of God's people. That we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus said, the second thing is very close. Just like it. Loving your neighbor. The world. As you love yourself. It is this first choice of baptism that strikes me most this week. I've been a Baptist most all of my life. I've been in ministry for almost 40 years now. But it has never occurred to me until just this week how countercultural John the Baptist and Jesus' baptism were for their day. Those of us who grew up Baptists, have been watching people be baptized our whole lives. Uh, It's just standard procedure. Most everyone, it feels like a rite of initiation. You come, you walk the aisle, you're kind of embarrassed. You have to go up and put on the gown and get dunked, and it's a little embarrassing. But it's over, and then everyone celebrates with you. In fact, baptism is so prominent today That if you go on the internet, you can find a half a dozen companies that do nothing but make baptistries. Places where people get baptized. But the reality is that in Jesus' day, Jews didn't get baptized. There were a few uh, sects, a few uh, splinter groups that did a ritual-like baptism. But for the main, for most Jews... This was not part of their experience of worshiping God and being part of a community of faith. And so John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, 
takes this odd, little-known symbol, this ritual of baptism, and I think he turns it into a symbol of critique over against the national religion of the day, the Jewish religion as it was being expressed and experienced in Jerusalem and out beyond as it was in collusion with the empire, with Rome. John saw this and his sense of God and what God was about could not stand this expression of worship of God. So John rocks the boat. John reboots the system. John, in effect, says, we need to clean up all this unethical stuff. And it's like the time when you were talking to someone who just seemed kind of greasy and unethical, and you left saying to yourself, I just feel like I need to wash. I need to bathe. Baptism became that symbol of saying, we're doing something new here. And so when Jesus steps into the waters of baptism to be baptized by cousin John, he is immersing himself in this truth that says God is a God of love who wants to take this thing in a different direction rather than a God who is exclusive, a God who is kept from the people and only those who were pure and right and true were welcomed in. John and later Jesus would say, God is big and open, and whosoever will can come and be part of this. His baptism was in some ways an act of of announcing, I'm going a different direction. And here, we recognize early on that Jesus makes the choice that will lead him into danger. For when you go against the grain, when you go against what everyone else is doing, you are in danger of being accused of being a traitor, of tarnishing the family image, of being a misfit or a liberal or abnormal or a troublemaker or even an enemy. So why did he choose this baptism of critique, this baptism of revolution? I want to suggest this morning that love brought him to this choice. That the love of a God that Jesus felt in his bones knew he knew could not bless a system of antiquated rules just for the sake of rules. A system that had gone corrupt and cold that he would later describe as being a den of thieves. You've made my house into my father's house into a den of thieves into a system in bed with the political powers of Rome. And so instead, the God Jesus experienced is witnessed in the life and the work of Jesus, of caring for the needs of the poor, the broken, the outcast, seeing the sacred in every person, man, woman, and child, that God's grace isn't hidden and unavailable, but is rather Open for anyone with eyes to see. It's right here. It's right here among us. All you have to do is reach out and take it. And having made this choice, the heavens open. And the voice declares, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Well, 
as they say, talk is cheap. And I guess in some ways, baptism could be cheap. So now what? Who will Jesus be? Where will he derive his ultimate sense of his identity? What will, what will drive him into the future? And so Jesus is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to wrestle this out. To think through issues of ego and false self. All those shadows that every human being has to face. Mark tells us, as does Matthew and Luke, that he was in the wilderness for 40 days. We don't know whether someone had a calendar there and was actually keeping up with this or whether this is a reference that's supposed to remind those who have a certain ear about another 40-day event in the life of faith, the story of Noah gathering the wild beasts together, the rains coming down for 40 days and 40 nights In other words, Jesus makes his choice and sees himself as a child of God, and he has to wrestle with this. But when the wrestling is over, when the rain stops, it becomes clear. This is who will define me. My context, my origins, my peers, those in power won't define me. What will define me is something deeper, something that happens from the moment you're born. It is, as some would, some would say, an objective truth about you that you are a child of God and that nothing anyone can say or do and nothing anything you do or say can change this reality to define yourself, to see yourself as a child of God Well, it changes everything. It puts you on a new course, a new way, a new truth, a new life. And so like Noah of old, Jesus is with the wild animals. He experiences God's power in nature. And it almost gives me the the picture of the beloved kingdom, of the wild animals all gathered round. Remember the verse, the lion and the lamb? The wolf and the lamb, the bear and the kid, they, they lie down together. He's with the wild beasts, and the angels minister to him. Well, that's all well and good. But what does love look like? Mark tells us after, Jesus, after John is arrested... Jesus picks up the very message that got John arrested. We learn from the other Gospels that John was not only arrested, he was beheaded. He had his head cut off and his head put on a platter and served up as if it was food for the system that doesn't want what John had to say being heard by others. And Jesus chooses to pick up this message and carry it forward. The time is here. God's kingdom, God's way of love, it's here among us. So let's repent. Let's wake up to this. Let's turn toward it and believe in the good news. He chooses to give himself to something bigger than himself. And really in his baptism, he is choosing his course, which will of course lead to a cross. What is this good news? 
What is this message that he's so willing to deliver with his very life and body? The good news is not good news for the system that tries to keep people down. The news is not good news for those who play upon this system, who feel good about themselves at the expense of others. The good news, rather, is the good news of God's love, which is for all the people. Do you remember what they said at Jesus' birth? The angels said, listen, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. This God is not some noun we can own, not some fact we can understand, not some deity we can control by our actions. Rather, this God is a verb. This God is love. This God is healing. This God is unity. This God is peace. This God is new beginnings. And the question for you and me today is, would we choose such a God? Would we believe in such a God, not just as sentimentality, dedicating a baby, doing these baptisms, but a God of revolution who's calling the church now and always to be the people of God where you live, where you work, where you guys go to school, in those worlds, to believe in with our lives this kind of God. Richard Rohr says there is... No authentic God experience that does not situate you in the world in a different way. Any encounter with God, this presence, will cause you to see things differently. And it will give you the security to be freed from your usual loyalties, the systems you've lived in, your economics, and even your tribe. Rohr says, your screen of life expands exponentially. You see the world differently. Which is why Jesus is always going around opening the eyes of the blind. He wants us to see differently. Most of you know that this past week we had to cancel our Ash Wednesday service here at Highland because of weather. We also had to uh, cancel uh, an outreach initiative we were going to do that day that many of you knew about, some of you signed up for, called Mobile Ash Wednesday, where we were going to join some other churches and going out in the community and standing on sidewalks where people might be walking by during the lunch hour and inviting them to come and be part of this Ash Wednesday experience. Well, I was sad that we had to cancel both our evening service and mobile Ash Wednesday. So about mid-morning on Wednesday, I just thought, I want to try this out. So I called the value market just a few blocks from here and said, could I come for an hour between 12 and 1, just stand inside your door. It was about 20 degrees with the wind blowing. So I stand inside the door and offer these ashes. And they said, sure, come on. So Billy Flood and I went to um, Value Market. Uh, I'm sure we look like the odd couple. He's a lot taller than I am. 
We got to value market. We made our place in front of the potato chip sales. We propped up our mobile ash Wednesday sign. We put ashes on each other's forehead, and I'm standing here in my robe and stole, and immediately three people came up. Oh, we, we want this. We want to have Ash Wednesday. So we, we did the ashes. Dust you are, to the dust you will return. People for the next hour came. We'd wait a while. Some one or two would come up. Different experiences. A lot of people would avert their eyes and walk the other way, but some came and, and wanted it. One woman came up and said, oh, this is going to make my mom so happy. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for, you know. <laughs> Another younger girl said, are, are y'all doing this for free or do we have to pay? And it's free. And the one I really loved, loved was the guy who said, oh, good, now I get to skip church tonight. <laughs> But a good number of people uh, came up. Uh, they knew what this meant. They closed their eyes. They would pull their bangs back. And I would place my hand in the ashes and make the sign of the cross with the words, Dust you are, and to the dust you will return. And a few of them would open their eyes. And it was as if they heard the words for the first time. They knew the ritual, but the message the finitude of life, you could see it kind of jolted them. And they'd think, well, I just came in here for bread and milk, and now I feel like I need to go home and work on my will or something. I'm going to die. <laughs> and when I saw it, I, I decided I would add a second message that I'd heard some months ago, a message that I think is the other side of dust you are, and to the dust you will return. I also said to them these words, love is stronger than death, and to that love you are now returned. For that's what it's about. It's about making that choice to live in the love of God. That's the good news. The good news is not that we're going to live forever. That would be bad news, I think. The good news is we can choose to live within the God that, the, that Jesus comes to reveal. Of God of deep and abiding love. A love that forgives and heals and blesses and includes. A love that's not content with just the status quo of some up and others down. A love that wants to lift up every valley and lower every mountain and make the crooked places straight so that presence of God can come into the world. And today, you have this choice. Who are you going to be? What are you going to base your life on? What are you going to make your decisions out of? The choice really is yours. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. In this moment of prayer, may we each individually and as this community choose to align our lives with you, O oh God. Thank you for the revelation of Jesus, for he shows us the more excellent way. May love abound. May we walk in this love now and always. In your holy name we pray. Amen.